Welcome to That and a Dollar, the podcast that hopes to be here just long enough. I'm a guy named Chuck. What I like to do is pick a top uh, topic and dive in with some fun pop culture examples. My hope is to share my thoughts and provide some insight uh, into some of my favorite franchises out there. Um, the very least, I hope to give you some items maybe you haven't seen before or remind you of those forgotten gems. I like to share things I like and, and shed a little light on why I like them. I also love to hear people talk about things they like, even if they're not my favorite. If I watch a movie, I do not like it. I always try to go back and rewatch down the road just in case the movie was good and it was me and where I was. Uh, with respects to shows, I like to give a minimum of three episodes before I decide to continue. If you like the podcast, I am posting articles at my blog, primarilyentertainment.com. Many of these episodes have been stolen just straight off of there, so I haven't really posted anything new. Uh, but feel free to check that out if you like. If you like the show, please feel free to tip at buymeacoffee.com slash that and a dollar. So what are we going to talk about this time? Heartbreak? Well, not exactly, but definitely in that realm. Uh, I, I think I have been proving and hope to continue to prove that I'm addicted to television and movies. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved my shows. I never understood why some shows were on forever and why some shows were canceled after a season or two. Then I learned the shocking truth that television was not there to just entertain me. It's there to make money. So if no one's watching, then there's no ad dollars. No ad dollars, no show. I still completely disagree with this to this day. So I got some shows here that should still be on the air. Well, okay, maybe not still, but at least been on longer than they were. Uh, some shows just can't find an audience, and this is a real problem today. There's just so many options between you know broadcast, cable, all the streaming options out there. And for a while, there were shows that just seemed to be getting canceled like crazy. It was like every, everyone was applying that Seinfeld theory, if it's not a hit in three episodes, get rid of it. Uh, I like the way Brandon Tartikoff did it back in the 80s. He was determined to put on a good show on the air. He understood that, yes, TV is a business, but it's also an art form. You need to give these artists a chance to you know, create and allow an audience to find them. And that's how he was able to essentially create the must-see TV lineup for NBC. He helped bring such classics as Hill Street Blues, Family Ties, Cheers, and yes, The Cosby Show to life. I know we're not fans of Mr. Cosby due to his legal troubles, but that should not take away from all the people that worked so hard to make The Cosby Show as good as it was. All that being said, I'm going to dive into some shows that have left us far too soon. Gone too soon, but not forgotten. I'm sure we can all name a couple of shows here, and I'm sure we all have other shows that probably should be here. So maybe we call this one Gone Too Soon, Volume 1. And without further ado, I want to talk to you about the event. Now, you may have missed this one. Uh, I liked this show. I, I believed it aired shortly after the ending of Laws. Uh, it kind of had that vibe to it, that ever-unfolding mystery to be explored every few episodes or half-season or full-season. Uh, so what was the event? All right, essentially it was this sort of paranoia conspiracy show. Uh, we start with a plane being flown at the president's retreat in Coral Gables, Florida. My, my initial thinking was, aha, that's the event. Then we go in further and find out that there are aliens here with us. And now I'm thinking, wow, that's the event. Then one of the aliens actually says... They can never know about the event. And it dawns on me, what's what's the event? And then I realize, what a great idea. You know, you can write this sort of normal action drama and then every so often just, you know, throw a monkey wrench into things. And maybe that would be the event. Um, the show has so many different intertwining storylines. It can be a little hard to follow. They do try to combat that by 
following from the character's point of view. So you'll get a like a title card at the beginning uh, with the person's name, and then we see that story kind of play out from their view. Now, our initial story seems to focus on Sean Walker, played by Jason Ritter. He's on the vacation go wrong, planning to propose to his girlfriend, uh, but he runs into a couple that needs help, and of course he steps in. I don't really want to give too much away. We see a flashback where he asks his girlfriend's dad for his blessing. We see a flash forward or a flash to the present uh, where he's nervously sitting on a plane after mysteriously emerging from the bathroom. Uh, I I do like how they truly focus on the storylines, like with Sean Walker. They show him in the present, you know, on the plane. In the past, on vacation, and even further back in the past, asking you know for dad's blessing. Each storyline is truly its own, and there's not a lot of like cutting between characters. We, we tend to stay with that story to a natural point, and then we move to another one. Uh, we also meet the head of the aliens on Earth, played by Laura Enns, uh, who you may remember from ER. I know she's done a ton of other things, but I loved her on ER. Uh, Blair Underwood plays the president of the United States. And each of these characters, they do have their own developed storyline. They're almost like a show of themselves. Uh, We see these in the pilot, and they're all fully formed stories for these characters. Uh, It does continue beyond these three. I promise this is a thing. And, of course, what sci-fi show or movie would be complete without Zeljko Ivanek? As far as character actors go, he's at the top of my list. I always love when I see his name in the credits. Always. As a matter of fact, my wife and I both give him lead role credit on everything he's in. He did a few episodes of 24. Most people think Kiefer Sutherland was the star, but for me, Zeljko Ivanek is the real star. Uh, If you're not sure who he is, please check his IMDb page and you will see, uh, you've probably seen a lot of what he's done. He's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, He plays an advisor to the president here in a wonderful scene in the pilot. They're discussing what to do about the aliens who are being held in Alaska. This is 2010, uh, two years into the Obama administration. And this is clearly an allegory for, you know, Guantanamo Bay. Zelchko gives the we violate the rights of the few to protect the many everyday speech. It, it, this is just the type of role he excels at. I'm sorry for typecasting. Like I said, he's awesome in everything I've seen him in, like the head vampire, head of the vampire tribunal in True Blood in those early episodes or that a-hole French teacher in School Ties. But this sort of, you know, political uh, uh, character is is really one he just nails every time. Uh, the event was only one season. Uh, really only gave us the two events, if I'm remembering correctly, the initial plane thing. And yes, I am being intentionally vague. Uh, and then, of course, the fact that aliens uh, live here. I, I wish I could see more. I wish this had worked better with the public. It's just one season. So if you find it, uh, you can binge that over the weekend. Now, this next one. This one hurts. Still a lot. I'm talking about Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. This was an excellent show. It was well-written, expertly casted, the show that inspired me to write a blog. Um, In those days, entertainmentweekly.com had a blog space available for people, and this is what I lived for in those days. I would watch the shows. I would take notes, and then I would write about it and post entertainmentweekly.com. I wish I could find some of those old articles. They they were so much fun. I had a coworker. We used to spend hours talking about this show. So much beyond that sort of you know 
Terminator time travel stuff. They get into these like philosophical uh, conversations of, about these things. And it's just was wonderful. So those of you who missed it, this is essentially Terminator for television. Lena Headey plays um, Sarah Connor, probably my favorite. No offense to Linda Hamilton. She's done a great job in the movies. Lena Headey feels better for that weekly uh, action drama. Thomas Decker plays a young John Connor to perfection. I mean, he nails what a teenager who has been told his whole life he would be the savior of humanity would be like. Um, Summer Glau plays a Terminator sent back in time by the older John Connor to protect, well, himself, his younger self. You know what I'm getting at here. Richard T. Jones plays the FBI agent who was caught up in all of this. Um, a doubter at the beginning and then through the events of season one slowly becomes a believer. Now the show starts back in the nineties, just after Terminator two before Terminator three, which I'm going to say it. I like Terminator three. I understand why people don't. Um, but to me, I think that is excellent. Now, Garrett Dillahunt plays the Terminator that's sent back in time, Cromarty. Now he's not in the first episode, uh, but uh, later on he he takes over the role. So Cromarty has been sent back to kill John Connor. He arrives as a su substitute teacher, taking attendance and looking for John. Now John narrowly escapes with Summer Glau, who pulls him from the parking lot with the line and meets up with Sarah. I'm sorry, what's the line? I thought you were a fan. I'm just kidding. We all know the line, right? Come with me if you want to live. I know this is how I get kidnapped. Uh, someone rushes up to me and says, come to me, come with me if you want to live. Uh, I'm going to assume it started and I'm going to run off. Uh, the three of them head into a bank and build what I can only assume is a phased plasma rifle in the 40 watt range from parts the resistance had uh, stored in these safety deposit boxes. Um, then they use a hidden, very analog looking time machine that was actually built into the vault to jump to the future. We then jump right over Terminator three into the early two thousands and we're off to the races. One of my favorite things, uh, for this show was the addition of Derek Reese, Kyle's brother played by Brian Austin green, uh, probably some of his best work. Uh, the show does one thing, but okay. It does many things perfectly, but I'm just going to focus on one here. Uh, they, they create this sort of true Scooby gang that makes sense. So many shows that kind of just throw people together and go, yay, Scooby gang, solve mysteries. Uh, but you know, Sarah has been doing this to train John for his inevitable future. So we bring in Charlie Dixon played by Dean Winters from Oz and those insurance commercials. Uh, he plays a paramedic. John will need medic training in the future. Derek teaches John about honor making tough calls, even if only by example. Uh, Summer Glau gives us a glimpse into the machines. No doubt John will need that to fight them uh, in the future. Even the FBI agent uh, comes around. This show could have been just so good. Uh, the buildup, the season one was excellent. Season two was really good. And I felt like season three was just poised to be just more awesomeness. I could talk about this for hours. I will say the early episodes, they are great. Uh, but of that first season, I think my favorite is the episode is called Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and it's really the episode that kind of, you know, brings everyone together. It gives us a glimpse of life in the future as well as in the present slash past. <laughs> it also has a lot of fun with the arrow of time showing flashbacks that take place in the future. It's just wonderful. Uh, this show has given me two sayings that I live by in my life. 
um, when times were so tough during that economic collapse and you know, I was at the end of my rope, I had a young daughter, uh, wasn't sure if I was in the right career and you know, wasn't sure how I was going to continue. And then my wife tells me we're expecting our second child and a line from the show just sort of stuck in my head. And I use it now when I'm facing what seems to be impossible odds. Uh, in the show, a small group of resistance fly- fighters, including Derek Reese, uh, are trying to decide how crazy it is to simply go into the past and then wait for orders. And one of the char- says, characters says to Derek, uh, so what are we supposed to do? Just travel back in time and hang in there, baby, until we get our orders? It really kind of shows what a ragtag group the human resistance really was. Um, now when the odds seem impossible, I just hang in there, baby, until I get through. Uh, the other one, and I, I think it is from the same episode, maybe the next one after, uh, Derek reveals he knows John from the future and that he knows it's John's birthday. And Derek tells young John Connor, like you always say, when there are things to celebrate, we celebrate them. Um, And there have been times, you know, when my wife and I weren't able to give as much to our daughters as we would have liked. One thing we lived by, clung to really, was this idea that when there are things to celebrate, we celebrate. Um, You would think this would be my number one, and it's here at number four. Uh, If you like Terminator, give this a shot. You're going to love it. All right. Anyone who knows me knows this is a hard list for me to narrow down, hence the naming of it as Volume 1. This next show was on the air from 2006 to 2008. Only two seasons, and really, Season 1 is the best. I'm talking about Jericho. Uh, The show centers around a small town in Kansas named Jericho. The premiere is done perfectly. They give you just enough to find a few characters you like out of this huge cast, and then they drop a bomb. I mean, literally. Something like 30 of them. It's a coordinated terror attack uh, that sees upwards of, I think it was 30 or 40 cities affected by some sort of a nuclear bomb or nuclear dirty bomb uh, across the country simultaneously. Of course, by the end of the first episode, we only know of two, Atlanta and Denver. And and essentially, the the town of Jericho has been effectively cut off uh, from the rest of the world. Uh, so we see the town just sort of falling into survival mode. Uh, no one knows anything. There's no information. Uh, and the first few episodes really do center around the town's survival. Uh, the attack happens at the midpoint of episode one. Um we get one of the characters on a deserted road with dead birds everywhere. And, you know, she gives that final line, what's going on here? Uh, and it's over. And, and now you have to immediately go to episode two because, yeah, what is going on here? It leaves you wanting more every episode. Uh, I tried several times to get my older daughter to watch it. She kept saying it was uh, far too stressful. And she's not wrong. It is stressful, but in a just a fun, good way. Uh, she did eventually get into it, and we got a full rewatch. And um, season one is by far best. Season two felt like they had skipped several seasons, but it does add Esai Morales, and that's never a bad thing. You know, yes, even in Free Jack, um, the cast was outstanding. Skeet Ulrich plays the ne'er do well son who has returned home for a brief visit and to collect his inheritance from his grandfather. As he's attempting to leave, the bomb in Denver explodes. As he's watching the you know mushroom cloud billow into the sky, uh, he has an accident with another driver coming from the other direction who is, of course, doing the same 
thing. Uh, Skeet Ulrich's character comes too. He finds a crashed bus, uh, school bus uh, with all these kids in it, and one girl's having trouble breathing, so he performs an emergency tracheotomy. Um, you know, I vaguely remember like fifth or sixth grade, we, we covered something about the respiratory system, and I, I don't remember what, but I do remember my teacher saying at one point, now if you need to, you can perform an emergency tracheotomy. And, you know, just to show how far back my television addiction goes, all I could think was, I already knew how to do that from that one episode of MASH I watched where Hawkeye talks radar through that same procedure, you know? Uh, okay, so basically, we established Skeet Ulrich as this hero character. Uh, he has a great line when arguing with his dad about the money Grandpa left him. The younger brother is, you know, being a younger brother, acting like he has all the answers and just parroting what dad is saying. And Skeet Ulrich looks at him and says, we were both born on third base. Quit acting like you hit a triple. I love that line. I don't know why. It just makes me chuckle every time. Lenny James, most of you know him as Morgan from The Walking Dead, uh, is excellent. I'm not even sure if we truly find out who he is or what his motives really are. Uh, Gerald McCraney, Simon and Simon, uh, major dad, he plays the patriarch of not only family, but of the entire town. Uh, in the pilot episode, uh, there's you know a riot about to start at the gas station, and he's able to calm down the crowd, get everybody under control. And as the crowd is dispersing, he says to them, and it's just a very stern, but you can feel the heart in in the voice. And he says to him, you know, don't you all ever break my heart again? He's the mayor. Is he the mayor or is he the town dad? I, I'm guessing on Jericho, there's just no real difference in that that description. I could go on forever. I could name all of the wonderful actors here, but I, I won't. Uh, suffice it to say that many of them are killed off in the uh, cliffhanger finale of season one due to budget cuts. Season two is not as good, is it ever? Um, but like I said, it feels like it should be more of a season four or five, like they just sort of jumped over a lot of stuff. I'm still waiting for season three. Um, yeah, of course, there there's the comics that are a follow-up to the series. I, I want that, you know, season three of Jericho, or at least a movie would be cool. Um, all right, this time let's do story time first. All right, I've always loved teen dramas. Uh, it almost caused my wife and I not to have our first date. Uh, all right, before I get to this show, let me tell you. Um, first thing you know, my wife and I knew each other in high school. We never dated there. We were just friends. So fast forward about seven years. My band is playing at this Halloween festival where we see each other for the first time since high school. Her friends are dragging her off in one direction, mine in the other. She yells out, I'm in the book and to call her. All right. So now I'm 23. It's about six months later. I decided to give her a call. I had to use a payphone. Uh, apparently a broke musician doesn't have a home phone. Uh, she knew I was at a payphone. I dropped a couple of dollars of quarters uh, into that phone and wouldn't let her call me back. You know, because I'm a gentleman. That's what I do. Anyway, we're trying to make plans, but the only day we kind of have open uh, it was Wednesday. But we were both had a thing, but neither of us was going to say what it was. Then she just blurted out, I'm watching Beverly Hills 90210. I replied with, I'll make chicken and we can watch it together. Uh, we almost didn't have our first date because neither of us wanted to admit we were watching this teen drama. I mean, clearly it worked out. I am referring to her as my wife. So what is my number two show, you ask? It's not Beverly Hills 90210. That was on for years. It might have been on a little too long, you know? Um, you know you've watched a teen drama too long when they start getting married and having kids. Uh, anyway, my number two pick. 
is Freaks and Geeks. This is one of Judd Apatow's early shows. I love most of his work, and I am pretty sure we have hung out at some time. His shows just seem to really sort of speak directly to me. I know that's crazy. It's not, but it does. He captures that. Uh, he's great with the, that friend group vibe. He's able to make sure that we all connect with those experiences together. Freaks and Geeks is a teen drama. It is set in Wisconsin in the 80s. I think it starts at 1980, if I'm remembering correctly. We focus on the Weir family. Linda Cardellini, our lead, plays Lindsay Weir. Now, she was the only one in the hospital room when her grandmother died. It was very traumatic for her. So at the start of the show, when we meet her, when she's being introduced, she's sort of in the middle of this personality shift. All right, She's gone from being a mathlete to hanging out with the freaks under the bleachers. Uh, these guys, the freaks, played by, uh, see, James Franco plays Daniel Desario, your sort of standard James Dean, hair in the eye, looking down character. Jason Siegel's Nick uh, seems to just be floating through life uh, and takes it as it comes. I kind of relate here. Uh, plus, he's your typical late 70s, early 80s drummer. You know, he's obsessed with John Bonham and Neil Peart. It, don't get me wrong. They are awesome drummers, but this guy seems to only know these two drummers. Seth Rogen plays Ken, the sarcastic, whatever, true Gen X character. Of course, what team drama would not be complete without the girl bully? Busy Phillips hits the nail on the head with her portrayal of Kim Kelly. Uh, she does it so well, it causes me anxiety as I relive my issues with a girl bully from junior high. Uh, the geeks are mostly Lindsay's younger brother, Sam, played very well by John Francis Daly. He's trying so hard to figure out who he is. It's a freshman's journey if I've ever seen one. Uh, his friend group is filled with Sam Levine playing Neil and Martin Starr as Bill Haverchuk uh, as his two best friends. Jerry Messing comes into the group. He's sort of the overweight friend. Uh, my favorite of the geeks is the geek Yoda character played by Stephen Leah Shepard. Always dispensing the advice. He knows all the local urban legends. I mean, he's the one that advises the gang in the first episode to confront and fight the bully as it usually causes the bully to leave you alone. Win or lose, he's going to leave you alone. A solid advice for the time. Lindsay's parents are played by Joe Flaherty and Becky Ann Baker, and they were these sort of, they were interested, they were connected, but at the same time, they were so out of touch and unhip that it was almost kind of cool in its own way. Uh, their house was always open to all their children's friends. Uh, it was so warm, so inviting. Um, I, I really see this as a visit home, and I am long overdue for that visit. Um, you need to see this. It is only one season, but that season will stick with you. All right, let's build some obvious Greek geek credit now. In case you already know how this ends, please stop yelling out this title for every one of these movies. Yes, I am going to talk about everybody together. Firefly. This show was an excellent sci-fi show. Stars Nathan Fillion as Captain Mal Reynolds. Uh, the show is simple in the setup. We're about 500 years in the future. The goal? Simple. Get a ship, get a crew, get a job, keep flying. This is a space western. They haul cargo, nah, sometimes not so legal cargo. Uh, Captain Mal is joined by Gina Torres as Zoe Washburn, Mal's second-in-command. They fought in the war together. Uh, Zoe's husband, simply called Wash, uh, is our trusty, wise-cracking pilot. 
Kaylee Fry, played by Jewel Sate, is our ship's engineer. Uh, she keeps serenity in the sky by sheer will. Uh, Jane, the hero of the mutters, is our muscle. Now, that's not to say our crew can't handle themselves, because they truly can. But Jane, played by Adam Baldwin, definitely looks like he knows what's going on. Uh, they take on passengers for some quick cash. We get Shepard Book, played by Ron Glass. Always love seeing Ron Glass. Loved him on Barney Miller all those years ago. He's a wonderful in this role. Plays a man of the cloth with a dark past. I would really love to see that explored a lot more. They pick up a brother and sister brought on board. The brother acts as the ship's doctor. That's Simon Tam, played by Sean Mahir. Uh, his sister, River Tam, played by Summer Glau. Bit of a mystery. Uh, Summer has abilities, lots of abilities. She's a fighter. I mean, a serious fighter. Uh, she's a bit of a clairvoyant as well. Uh, and this, of course, all plays out as a bit of crazy also, uh, which helps to create tension as we're never quite sure what um, what she's going to do. Uh, it has a real world look and feel to it. I love that the galley where they all eat is this mix of, you know, chairs from other dining room sets around a fancy picnic table rather than that sort of, you know, cold, sterile uh, mess hall that you get in most sci-fi shows. At one point, they're having a conversation about River and her abilities. Uh, Alan Tudyk's wash comments, it's like living in a sci-fi movie, to which his wife Zoe replies, honey, you live on a spaceship. And, and Wash sort of just shrugs his shoulders if it, as if not to see her point. It's great writing, especially since we now know sci-fi exists in the future, right? Uh, the thing that really sets this apart from all the other shows out there is this universe does feel lived in. How this is still not on the air today, I do not know. Um, well, I mean, it's been 20 years. Obviously, it would be off the air by now. Uh, it, it has all the heart of Star Trek. It has all the grit of Star Wars. Uh, a very believable cast of characters, no matter how unreal some of them seem. When it aired on Fox initially, they aired some episodes out of order. So the first episode to air is uh, titled The Train Job. It's actually the second episode of the show. It's your classic train robbery, but, you know, with sci-fi elements. A decent first episode. I mean, it sets up the world and the rules there very well. Uh, the actual first episode is titled Serenity and is set in and around the Battle of the Valley of Serenity. Also a, a good episode and a nice, uh, nice for a first episode. My money, though, uh, the episode, and it, it'll need a little tweak to get there, but um, I, I think it would be a great pilot is it's called Out of Gas. And in this episode, we find Mal alone on the ship after having sent everybody away to find help. The ship is adrift. They're outside of the normal shipping lanes. Uh, there's several issues, and Mal keeps flashing back to the crew coming together. And you know I love some flashbacks. Anyway, if you've not seen this, and, and I'm not sure how any self-respecting sci-fi fan hasn't, you need to. Seriously watch this. I wish I had watched it when it aired in early 2000s. I think I was a decade off before I got to it. So, you know, no judgment. Just put it on the list. You need to find it. You need to see it. Uh, this brings volume one to a close. And like I said, I'll probably do one of these every year or so. Uh, if you want, please check out uh, this list and others at primarilyentertainment.com. Remember to like and subscribe to this podcast uh, for more of these wonderful insights that I think are far more important than they really are. Uh, if you truly like the show, please uh, leave a tip at buymeacoffee.com slash that and a dollar. Thank you for listening. I'm a guy named Chuck. And remember, as always, that and a dollar will get you a cup of coffee.